Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. Some people celebrate International Drummers Month in May, some in October. Here at the Decibel Geek Podcast, we celebrate the greats of hard rock and classic metal every single week. I'm Aaron Camaro. There's Chris Sinzak. What's up, man? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, you know, but I was just thinking sometimes... You know, because drummers sit all the way in the back, they, they might feel like they're not getting the recognition that they deserve. It'd be nice to give them a spotlight for once. I think so, and I think we can accomplish that here today. Yeah, well, this is a concept that we started with the Who's That Singer episode a couple of months ago. Uh, we're going to do Who's That Drummer, and basically, here's how it works. Like, if you have certain bands that the drummer is synonymous with the band or right. pretty well known with the band, this is going to be one where it's a drummer you may not be that familiar with that played with the band. Right. It's a little... Let's We're like, being a little loose about it. Well, it's been like kind of like we found out with Who's That Singer. You know, these guys have big shoes to fill. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to showcase some guys that stepped in and did a, put in a valiant effort or may not be the drummer that you know and associate with some of your favorite rock bands. You know, so we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to expose these guys today and give them the the attention they deserve. Absolutely. And I think uh, looking at the list of songs that we've both picked, I think we're, you, we're in for an entertaining hour plus of uh, music today i think so this is gonna be a really good one you know what i like i like itunes reviews i like itunes reviews and i like you know facebook comments and i like i like it when people interact with us you know and tell us what's on their mind and they help us out you know we want to make this show as the best it can be it's always been the podcast that we kind of always wanted right isn't that the way isn't that the kiss rock and roll way and that's that's the way we always intend to keep it so you guys help us steer the course we actually listen to the people we totally do you want to you want to help us tell the world that rock and roll and classic metal is still alive and well in 2015 you get on the itunes you leave them sweet five-star reviews and you tell us we're doing a good thing you tell itunes we're doing a good thing and there's a couple of people here today that took the time to do that and we always want to showcase that because we appreciate it so much so here's an itunes review we recently got and it's entitled great music slash kiss podcast five stars by nightwing ken hey wait a minute that sounds familiar to me that's ken mills that's right the pod father himself wow man this is this is awesome. Okay, well, here's what he says. Decibel Geek Podcast is a great entry into the world of rock and podcasting. The hosts have a good sense of humor and a great knowledge of music. 
a fun show to listen to. Great job, guys. Podcast approved. That's high praise. Holy shit. That means something. I will take that. Ken's one of the reasons that I got into this in the first place. Hell yeah, man. You got to check out the podcast. If you guys love Decibel Geek and you love it when we're doing the uh, the Kissmas in July or, you know, Kiss will come up today just like they did last week, just like they did the week before, just like they always do. And if you love Kiss, I recommend you check out Podkissed. Absolutely. Definitely. We have another one today, too. Yeah, another one. This one's called Going All the Way. It's five stars, and it comes to us from Spacesuit. I like that. That's a cool name. These guys dive deep into ye old hard rock and metal. Good stuff. Short, sweet, and five stars. It's all good. You don't have to be the podfather, and you don't have to write an epic, but if you leave <laughs> us that five-star review, we'll love you for it. That's right. We appreciate everyone who leaves a iTunes review for us because it helps us climb the charts and uh, get more listeners. Absolutely. You know, when people are out there looking for hard rock and classic metal podcasts, you know, it's good to have all these great reviews because it steers them in the right direction. You're helping people by helping us help iTunes. That's See, right. it's a beautiful world. We also have to acknowledge some other people this week. Heck yeah, our Geeks of the Week. These are the people that get out there, they share it, they retweet it, they they call their mamas. They let the world know that Decibel Geek Podcast has got a brand new episode out and they need to check it out. And we appreciate the people that do that so much and it's always a great list. Chris, what do we got? All right, these are the Geeks of the Week for the last week, 1977 Year Interview Part 2. You got a good response to a that. A lot of them. Geeks of the Week this week are... Danny Lewis Kukler, Mark Anthony K, Dennis Gamez, Miguel Nunez, Dan Miles from the Friends of Dan podcast, Mike Stewart, Matt Ashcraft, James Brendan Dunn, Aaron Baker, Brian Knapp, Ken Mills, David Alpazar, Todd Cunningham, Brent Walter, Joseph Ciambelli, Brad Kalmanson, Kevin Williams, Ian Wadley, Scott Harding, Joe Royland, Sit and Spend with Joe, Michael Bartley, Anthony Espinufano, Andrew Jacobs, Trevor McDougall, Darren Parkin, Rob Webb, David Glenn, Andrew Kiss, Paul Korn, Glenn Bennett, Mike Blunt, Bill Pollitt, Roy Worthen, Rob Harris, Paul Garrison, Joe Ciambelli, Brant Cattell, Scott Henderson, Ben Mitchell, Unknown Elements, Shane Aber, Rich Meister Dillon, Mark Alden Taylor, William J. Ortiz, Kim Fenner, Greg Johnson, Eric Reed, George Savastano, Music Mags and Wax, Daniel Chaput, Pep Pep, Baco, Derek Novak, The Mooger Fuger, Hoops, Podcast of the Best, Valeria Carr, Jay Finhouse, Ernesto Aguiar, Viking Girl, Mikhail Burrell, Ruben Garcia, Nick Rose, Megan M., Jay Motown Drummer, Adam Cox, TJ Cullen, Alan Big Al Tate, The Terrence and Mark Experience, Shane Stuckless, John Parks, Daryl Alber, Colin Francis, Anna Maria, Darren Hellowell, and Daniel Lee. Man, that's a great list of people. We appreciate each and every one of you so very much. Yeah, I had a lot of uh, great feedback on that year in review, and we we owe you one more for the year, right? Yeah, we totally. That was the deal, right? We made, we made a deal. We said we were <laughs> going to do three a year, and so we owe you guys one more, and you'll get one more. They are a lot of work, but we're so proud of them when they come out. So we got it covered. We got the iTunes reviews in. We got the uh, Geeks of the Week. We got their honor, prestige, yep. and all that good stuff. We get we honored that. Yep. And we talked about Facebook, the place to come talk to us. We talked. To, we, we need to talk about DecibelGeek.com real quick. Of you know, while we got a moment, because DecibelGeek.com is where it's at. 
these guys, we got the people, man. We got dudes and the chicks, and they're out there, and they're going to these shows, and they're listening to brand new albums. A lot of album reviews lately. A lot of album reviews lately. Really good ones. Stuff that makes me want to go out there and buy music, and that's what it's all about here yep. at Decibel Geek. Check them out at decibelgeek.com. You're going to find all kinds of cool stuff. They're going to keep you up to date on hard rock and classic metal sounding music that's coming out right here and right yes. now. And up our, to date. our editor-in-chief, Rich Meister Dillon, also wanted me to pass on the word that while things are going great on the site, we are ready to bring on some more writers. Yeah. So if you want to be a part of the team, this means getting access to shows, to albums, to review. All you got to do is do some great writing for us. Send us some samples at feedback at decibelgeek.com, and I will put you in touch with Rich and uh, get you on board. It's so funny to think back way long, long time ago in Decibel Geek history, and we were just like, hey, go to a concert. Tell them you're with the Decibel Geek podcast. Maybe you'll get backstage. Maybe you'll get to interview somebody. And holy shit, that started to work. You know? <laughs> it actually has. And it's, it's grown into this humongous thing of a network. We have a freaking network of amazing rock and roll journalists working for us. Not just one guy. We and got I, a network it's, it's, of people. It's hard to believe. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy that it opens doors for others to uh, express their creativity because that's what it's all about. Heck yeah. Another thing I'm really proud of is the, uh, the Decibel Geek VIP thing we got going on because as much you know, great response that we got to the 1977 year in review series, we got a lot of good response to the Chris and Aaron show this last <laughs> week too, you know, and I know a lot of you guys are missing out on that and wondering what that is, you know, and of course on VIP, we do the Chris and Aaron show every mm-hmm. single week. These guys are getting an, an entire extra show that you're not getting. And on top of that, we're doing Decibel Geek Versus, and yeah. that's been a mishmash of all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, and yes. it's, it's all been fun. It's all been entertaining. We've really enjoyed doing it and it's we've, fun. we've really enjoyed the feedback we've been getting yeah. off it. Yeah. People seem to really enjoy it and we're, uh, we got a lot planned for it, and uh, we're going to do a prize draw real soon. And yeah. We've got T-shirts going out for people. So Heck yeah. Go to uh, the DecibelGeek.com website, click on the VIP banner, or just go to Patreon.com and uh, type in DecibelGeek, and it's easy you as know, that. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's really a better deal. It's like it's like going to a burger place, yeah. and instead of getting the meal, just getting the burger. Yeah, skip going to fast food once a week and uh, support the show. Or, like I was going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I totally stepped you on it. You stepped on my analogy. I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> I was going to say, instead of just going to the website and getting a t-shirt, yeah. you can become a Decibel Geek VIP yes. and basically, for the price of a t-shirt, get all these extra great things that come along with it. Yes. What you said sounds much better than what I said. <laughs> It's all good, man. We ain't got nobody here to keep the beat for us today. What we need That's is some true. good rock and roll drumming. Yeah, so uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, and I guess I'll kick things off, right? Yeah, who's that drummer, Chris? The, the Well, the drummer on the, my first pick is a guy named John Rutsey. Okay. Oh, yeah, of course. My favorite Rush drummer. Right. <laughs> Mine, too. <laughs> and uh, if you're not sure about who John Rutsey is, he was the original drummer in Rush, uh, only performed on their self-titled album from 1974. There was another band that did a self-titled album in 1974. Hmm. Both great albums. Both great albums. Straight up rock and roll albums. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the Rush self-titled album was recorded in Toronto on what is called Dead Time. And I was in a band, not nearly on Rush's level, but on. Well, if you don't know what Dead Time is, this is what I had to do. You basically know someone who works in a studio who gets you in 
at like three in the morning to yeah. record for four hours. You just got to pause for the janitor for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Or, you know, somebody's like, oh, so this band, you know, they wrapped up early and there's four dead hours. Yeah. So come in and record for four hours. That's cool. It's not the most efficient way of recording because a lot of times you're getting called in the middle of the night, woken up from a dead sleep going, hey, come in and record. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We only got a little bit of time. Let's hurry hey, up and get down there and if, do it. Yeah. If you're in a band and you have the dream, you want to do it. Yeah. So you'll, you'll get it. Get your ass out of bed and go down there and do it. I'm glad Rush did. And they did, and they did that in Toronto, and the band and its management formed their own company called Moon Records and released the album in Canada. Only 3,500 copies of the original Moon at Records LP were pressed. Could you imagine having a copy of that? Wow. If you have a copy of that, send us a picture of it. It'd be really cool to see that. Yeah, it would. We'll put it on the Facebook page. Yeah. And then the album was soon picked up by WMMS, a station out of Cleveland, Ohio. Donna Halper, who was a DJ working at the station, she just, out of just, you know, randomness, picked Working Man for her playlist. Wow. And every time the song was played, the station received all these phone calls asking where to buy the record. Yeah, I bet. And copies of Moon, the Moon Records album were imported to the Cleveland area and quickly sold out. I mean, Cleveland, working man. That's exactly it. Perfect. Cleveland you know? is a factory town filled with blue collar workers. Yeah, so the song that related hear them to lyrics them. and say, yeah, totally. Yeah, so that's Give why. Give me a cold beer. Exactly. And um, yeah, it was a factory town. And uh, unlike Geddy Lee and Alex Lifeson, who were more into you know prog rock bands like Pink Floyd and Genesis, John Rusty was more into meat and potatoes, rock and roll like Bad Company. Yeah. So while the other two guys were playing Dungeons and Dragons, this guy was. I was out trying to get laid. That's right. So uh, here's John Rutsey and Rush doing a song called Finding My Way.
man. That's one of my all-time favorite Rush songs. That's right. And I love the I just love the spirit of that first album. Yeah. You know, there's an innocence to it and it's just hardcore rock and roll and John Rutsey unfortunately died at age 55 for part of the reason why he left the band. He had type 1 diabetes, was living the rock and roll lifestyle and yeah. uh it was too, it was too much and the band had to let him go cuz they're right. like you're going to kill yourself. Right. Yeah, you don't so, want to be responsible for that. So he was let go from the band, lived to be age 55, probably would have had a much shorter life had he stayed in Rush. Probably. But, uh, but just buy that first Rush album. It's it's a must-have for your collection. Yeah, that's one of those where you don't really think of it as a Rush album so much because it's really so much different. Very different. And Rush is, you know, make no mistake. This, I love them. The first album holds a special place in my heart and yours, oh, you know. Sure. But they've put out amazing music over they the have. years. But there was just something about that first album that was so... Just rock and roll awesomeness. Yeah, it's beautiful. A, and if you've ever seen the uh, documentary Beyond the Lighted Stage, it's got a lot of good old home movie footage of them during that year. It's a great yeah. documentary. Nice. I'll check that out. Yep. Good pick, man. Thanks. That's a great way to start. I love that song. Came love to that mind right away, John Rutsey. All right. Well, here's the one that came to my mind right away. And if we're talking about drummers, I got to talk about my favorite drummer. Now, Tommy Lee had been a member of Motley Crue since he was like 18 years mm-hmm. old. You know, he struggled with them to make it. He was a part of them early to tours opening for bands like Kiss and Ozzy. He rose with them to the mega success, becoming arguably the best band of the 80s. Being the outlandish drummer of the crew got him some crossover fame and afforded him some marriages to more than one famous <laughs> starlet. Yeah. Alone, the guy probably got more drugs, alcohol, and wang dang sweet poon tang than Ace, Gene, Paul, and Peter combined. Yeah, I'd say it's safe to say. You know, life's good for the drummer Motley Crew. He stuck with the crew even when Vince left in 1992 and they hired John Karabi. He stuck with them when they fired Karabi and reunited with Vince. He even stuck it out through the Generation Swine album, but I think he probably likes that one, I bet. Mm. weird <laughs> but by 1999 it was so uncool to like motley Crue yeah. that tommy lee wasn't even a fan anymore plus he was in prison <laughs> motley Crue would carry on with the mission of creating an album that was the follow-up to dr feelgood what it should have been luckily their motley Crue would have no problem replacing the almost irreplaceable tommy lee with one of the greatest drummers of all time randy castillo the result is this from the new tattoo album of the year 2000. This is Motley Crue with Ranny Castillo on drums, and it's Hell on High Heels.
Randy Castillo with Motley Crue on Hell on High Heels from the new Tattoo album. Yeah, I know you're not a big fan of that I'm one. Not, I like it. I'm not a fan of that album at all. I love Randy Castillo. love his work with Ozzy. Of course, it's solely, sorely missed. You know, he died from cancer. I think, right, I yeah. Well, this, it was the lowest charting Motley Crue album since 1981. Maybe a testament to the star power of Tommy Lee, or maybe just a sign well, of the times. The you, times, yeah. You got to remember, it'd be another year before Tough releases American Hair Band. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying, although Nikki Six doesn't consider Crew to be one of those, they sure did rise and fall with the rest of them. They did. Shortly after the recording, a new tattoo, Randy Castillo had an ulcer rupture in his stomach, but oh. got to the hospital in time for emergency surgery, and they saved his life. And it looked like he was going to be okay, but couldn't tour. That's when they got the chick uh -huh. from Hole. Samantha Maloney. And that's yeah. the lineup of Motley Crue that I saw. Yeah. With Samantha Maloney playing drums. So then he discovers a lump in his jaw that turns out to be cancerous. Mm. So again, he's able to get this taken care of. And with everything in remission, he's working towards a return to rock. And he was in the process of putting together a band with Mike Inez in 2002 when the cancer returned and wow. stole from us one of the greatest drummers the world will ever know. Randy Castillo. Like? He, yeah, he was an incredible drummer and an incredible person from all accounts. Yeah. I remember when he passed away, there was quite an outpouring of love from a lot of people about that. this is another one of them guys that you never hear nothing bad no, about never yeah he was extremely well liked among the whole music community yeah and you know maybe if uh new tattoo don't do it for you go back and check out some of them classic ozzy osbourne oh, albums sure, yeah. with randy castillo on them and yeah, the guy's a great drummer. Awesome. Just awesome. Okay, so yeah, you know, now that I think about this, this this episode is going to be laced with a lot of tragedy. Yeah. Because like a drummer's, it's like a bad situations. Well, I'll go ahead and say, I didn't pick any Spinal Tap drummers. I could have. <laughs> I could have picked five. But, yeah. Um, We've uh, got some bands here that probably have had almost as many drummers as Spinal Tap. Probably so. And another drummer that um, probably a lot of people would have thought would be irreplaceable would be Keith Moon of The Who. Totally, yeah. You know, and uh, it's still debatable. Maybe he was irreplaceable. He's definitely one of a kind. My next drummer for Who's That Drummer is a guy named Kenny Jones. And um, he was Keith's replacement in The Who. You know, he was famous before The Who, though. He, he wasn't an unknown. He had played with the small faces and the faces before. And he was friends with Keith Moon and actually hung out with Keith Moon on the final night of his life. So this guy was like a Keith Moon disciple, huh? A bit. Well, I mean, they were good friends because I think the Faces did plenty of shows with the Who. You know, the yeah. Faces had Rod Stewart in it, and um, right. they were all buddies. Sure, that makes sense. And um, I believe it was a it was a film screening that Paul McCartney was putting on the night that Keith died. I mm -hmm. think. And uh, Kenny, it was a Paul McCartney party. I know that. Is that yeah? And Keith Moon and Kenny Jones were both there hanging out together. And, you know, as everyone knows, Keith died from an overdose of a medicine that was an anti-alcohol drug. Right. It's a strange way to go, uh, considering his lifestyle. Right. Yeah, because he was trying to clean up at that point. Yeah. And it would cu help cut down his drinking. Pete Townsend brought Kenny into the picture. Roger Daltrey was not a fan of Kenny. He did not think he was right for the band. But as a lot of people know, Pete Townsend calls the shots in The Who. He is The Who. Yeah. Roger Daltrey, as amazing as he is, it seems is more of a second fiddle to Pete as far he's, as decision-making goes. He's boss. Pretty much. I wonder and, how that um, works. When did you lose your ability to be equal with your band I don't members? know that he ever was. I think Pete's called the shots since day one. I really do. Like, and, I'm uh, Pete Townsend, and this is a band I'm forming? Yeah, he's the dad of the band. I really do think so. Um, but I wanted to play something from the uh, It's Hard album from 1982, which would be Kenny's last album with the band. Also, John Entwistle's, because John would die before they would record again. This was the yeah. last album they did for many years. Cheers to that guy, too. 
too. The album peaked at number eight on the strength of the songs Eminence Front and Athena. Eminence Front is still played to this day in the set list. It's the only song that the that the band really likes. The album cover designed by Graham Hughes, which is Roger Daltrey's cousin, depicts a young boy playing an Atari Space Duel arcade game. And that's kind of a reference to the rock opera Tommy with the pinball yeah, machine. It's yeah. like an updated version of that. It's Roger like Tommy, Daltrey... Tommy meets Pac-Man. Pretty much. you know, Because <laughs> video games were kind of a phenomenon at that point. Tommy in the early Kong. 80s. Roger Daltrey said later in 1994 that It's Hard should have never been released and that he also had arguments with Pete Townsend over the release of it. He stated the record company wanted them to make a new record and they also wanted to do the tour for the album so in many ways they were forced to put it out. Yeah. I think it's a good album. I honestly do. I've li- I have this album in my own collection and I want to play something kind of in tribute to John Entwistle because he wrote this song by himself. This is The Who from 1982 with Kenny Jones on drums doing It's Your Turn.
man. It's just hard to imagine the who with anybody behind the kit but Keith Moon. Well, yeah, but. Kenny Jones was brought in to be a basically a steady drummer. He wasn't brought in to be Keith Moon Jr. Right. Because there is no Keith Moon Jr. Right. Pardon the horrible pun, but he marched to the beat of his own drum. Yeah. I mean, Keith Moon was as different as it got, and no one could ever replace him. But like as you hear on the stuff on um, It's Hard and on the album before that, it's more straight-ahead rock drumming. He's yeah. like, You're, you keep the beat so Pete can play his stuff, John can play his stuff, and Roger can sing. You just do what Pete tells you. Pretty much. Shut up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but we haven't played very much Who on the show, and I was like, this is a good chance to play some Who stuff. That's cool. I like it. Yeah. Next time, Keith Moon Who. Please. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it kind of works for this one. Kenny Jones yeah, did, a, did a good job. No, it totally does. That's a perfect example yeah. of who's that drummer. Listen to that old Faces stuff. There's some good stuff there, too. Pearl Jam has had a few different drummers over the years. <laughs> Spinal tap level. Right, totally. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, this is a strange case of a band whose definitive lineup isn't represented on their definitive album. Now, originally, Gossard, McCready, and Amon wanted Jack Irons to play drums. Mm-hmm. Although he passed on the job, he did introduce them to a singer named Eddie Vedder. Right. That seemed to work out pretty good for him. So they got Dave Krusen. He was the drummer that played on their iconic debut album, 10. But he would leave the band shortly after the album was finished. That brings in Matt Chamberlain, replacing Krusen as a pretty much a band-aid for a short little bit. He ends up going on to the Saturday Night Live band. Mm-hmm. So he ain't sticking around with this up-and-coming Pearl Jam, which hmm. who knows if they're even going to make it at this point. I thought Dave Abruzzese was in the band. Next in was Dave Abruzzi. I thought he recorded 10. He didn't record on 10? No. Nope. Oh, that's he, even more worse. He wasn't the guy. Yeah, totally. Wow. So Dave Abruzzi comes in. He sticks around for two albums before he's fired in 1994. So then Jack Irons, who turned down Pearl Jam to be a part of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, now becomes the new drummer for Pearl Jam. You with me so far? Yeah. (laughs) He sticks around for a few years, appearing on the albums No Code and Yield, which are both pretty good albums. By 1998, Irons is unwilling to tour anymore. He's got some health stuff going on. Coincidentally, former Seattle Rock alumni Soundgarden were pretty much imploding at about that same time, which opens that door for Matt Cameron to switch teams. I remember when that happened. He's been with them ever since, and it is a great example of how a fresh drummer can come in and revitalize a band. He's a great drummer. And if you're not a fan of Pearl Jam, maybe it's time to reacquaint yourself and here's a great place to start. From 2013's Lightning Bolt, here's Matt Cameron on drums with Pearl Jam, and this one's a rocker. It's called Mind Your Manners.
glad you picked that song. Yeah? Yeah, because I, I remember when that song came on the radio, it was released as a single back in 2013, and I looked at my wife, who has always been a Pearl Jam fan. My wife's not a big rock fan, Yeah, but Pearl Jam's one of the exceptions where she's really into their stuff, and I was just like, this is a damn good song. It's really good. I was like, this might be the best thing they've put out in years. Oh, it rocks. Because they've gotten so experimental over the years that I wasn't that's, a super big fan of a lot of that thing stuff. That's Pearl Jam. You know, they're 50-50. Yeah. I always look at this band as a 50-50. If I pick up a Pearl Jam album I've never heard before, yeah. the rock and roller in me is going to like 50% right. of that, and the other 50% isn't going to make any sense. Yeah, and Matt Cameron, a lot of people like to make fun of the grunge movement for just, you know, sludgy no. stuff. This guy Matt is a rock Cameron drummer. could play damn near anything out there. Well, he's obviously the coolest member of Pearl Jam. I mean, he played... He's they a, weren't jamming with the Spaceman and playing Black Diamond live before he was <laughs> in the band. Maybe it was him that brought him up. For totally. Yeah. You know it is. He's a huge Kiss fan. Well, I, do, I think Stone Gossard's a big Kiss fan, too. Yeah, they all yeah. are, except for Eddie Vedder. But Eddie Vedder respects Ace Frehley, and for that... He's cool. Well, in I want to. I want to say. Uh, well, they used the solo for she for alive, but yeah. really, Ace ripped off that solo right. from the Doors from yeah, five to one. So you know, it's all it's, good. It all goes around the world in rock and roll. It's all borrowed. Yeah. So um, it's good stuff, though. See, check out some Pearl Jam. I'm telling you. So my next pick before we go into break, I want to play something that's brand spanking new. This album just came out as of the recording date of this, October of six of twenty fifteen. Came out this week. Yeah. And it's the new album by Wasp. I'm so behind the times, man. I want to hear this so bad. This is gonna be my first chance to hear any of this. I've been listening to it a lot this week and I was like, I gotta find a way to play this. And I'm like, well, the guy playing drums on this is not... I mean, the drummers in the heyday of Wasp were pretty much Tony Richards from the first album. Yeah. Steve Riley, who also yeah. went on to L.A. Guns. And, of course, Frankie right. Benali, who everybody knows for Quiet Right, but he did a lot of Wasp work, Yeah, that's true. So, you know, those are the those are the main guys that are well-known for Wasp heyday. But they've put out a lot of good stuff over the last few years. Sure they have. A lot of overlooked stuff. A lot of it. The guy that's been playing drums recently and actually just left the band, so this is his last album with Wasp, is Mike Dupke. I know that. We should all know that name. You should. And from our Hair of the Dog discussion. That's right. And Mike is Mike was the drummer in Hair of the Dog. Hell yeah. Awesome drummer. Yeah, and before that was with John Mellencamp. I don't know what to say. I love about how that. there's silence after I say that. <laughs> Editing the crickets there. Uh, I'm trying to find a way to get John Mellencamp into the discussion. I did it last week. <laughs> but uh, with Detective, remember? Yeah, I guess with nobody buying Yes albums anymore, we got to have some kind of so new weird trend. Yeah, he's the next odd, oh, oddball. Oh, man. I don't like where this is going. The heavier side of John Mellencamp coming soon. <laughs> I wonder if that's possible. I don't. No, I don't know not. if I want to do the research to no, find out. No. The closest you get to that is like the um, Mike Dubke. Mer- that and Mercury albums used to mistakenly press American Fool with Creatures of the Night on one side on and the other. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. I remember that. Yeah, so I'll play Satan's Center off Creatures of the Night. So here's the heavier side of right, John Mellencamp. This is John Mel- yeah, yeah, the other side of the <laughs> yeah, album. <right. laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, what, Golgotha is the new Wasp album. It's their 15th studio album released uh, October 9th. But, yeah, this is Mike's last album. But, it's damn, it's a damn good album from start to finish. This is Wasp from Golgotha with Shotgun. Stop! 
putting the O back in rock. It's just like a... Oh. 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 A hot night! Oh. Yes! 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 Listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. All right, little break in the action. The music you're hearing there is this week's featured artist. That's a band called Chaos Theory, and they're out of Canada. If uh, they just got in touch with us and emailed us at featuredartists at decibelgeek.com, it's as simple as that. Now you're hearing their music. If you want to be a featured artist, just send us an email and uh, check out the show notes there, and you'll have the a link to their official website and all that good stuff. So let's go over some of the notable purchases on Amazon over the past seven days. And the way you can help us out, just go to decibelgeek.com, click on that Amazon banner, or right-click and open it in a new window if that doesn't work. And uh, get in there and just do your shopping as normal, and we get a kickback out of whatever you guys buy. And you guys did great over the past week. Just a lot of great stuff, but I can't even list it all off. I could do a whole show on that. But uh, some of the more interesting things, somebody bought some Dockers pants. Looks like three, three pair of them, $30 pants. Uh, a Kiss Kobo Hall t-shirt, a really cool-looking t-shirt. The new book, Van Halen Rising, How a Southern California Backyard Party Band Saved Heavy Metal. Been hearing a lot of good stuff about that book. I have to get a copy of that myself. Uh, some DVDs. Looks like some uh, horror stuff like Castle Freak and Chillerama were bought. Furious 7 was bought on Blu-ray. Uh, Holliston Season 2. Haven't heard of that one before. Uh, let's see. A stereo, stereo headphone extension was bought. Uh, organic Liquid Morning Multivitamin was bought. I don't know what the Liquid mo- Morning Vitamin. Okay. Uh, Cliff Energy Bars were bought. Uh, looks like uh, the single Dream On featuring Yngwie Malmsteen and Ron James Dio. We may have played that on the show. was bought. And uh, let's see. Minus to Sobriety by Ugly Kid Joe was bought. And uh, Signals was bought. And some Audio-Technica headphones were bought. That's just a few of the things that were bought on Amazon this week. As I said, just click on that Decibel Geek banner and uh, buy your stuff as normal. We get a little bit of kickback, and it's a great way of supporting the show. Also, another way of supporting the show, become a VIP. Just go to DecibelGeek.com, click on that DBG VIP banner. We have a cool thing called the Chris and Aaron Show on there. We have a segment called Versus where we pit bands against each other and discuss stats and all that good stuff. And that's my dog barking. And uh, that's all that stuff. So I've shilled enough for a little commercial break. And there you go. And now back to the show. All right. The Decibel Geek Podcast rolls on as we celebrate, I think, International Drummers Month. <laughs> As of the day that we recorded this, I know yesterday was Hug a Drummer Hug Day. Hug a Drummer Day, so we're at least celebrating that. I had a number of got friends of mine tell me, you're weird when I did that. But <laughs> <laughs> Was Bill Ward one of them? No. I wish I was on speaking terms with Bill Ward. That'd be great. You guys got something going on between you? 
No. Oh. <laughs> you say you're not on speaking terms with him, it sounds like. No, no. I'd give him a hug, though, if I saw him. Sure. I totally would, too. Thank you for all the great music. Heck, yeah. Bill Ward had been the drummer of Black Sabbath since before they were even called Black Sabbath. He endured being set on fire, being spray-painted gold, all on his way to becoming one of the most important drummers in rock history. After hearing some of the shitty stuff that Iomi did to this guy, it's no wonder he spiraled into a drug and alcohol-fueled insanity. It's it's a crazy story this guy has with the band. He was the one guy that didn't want to fire Ozzy. Oh, really? Yeah, so what does Iomi do? He makes him be the one to tell Ozzy he's fired. <laughs> That's shitty. They really did treat him <laughs> bad back then, you know? Bill Ward hated playing his Black Sabbath without Ozzy, and by 1980, Bill splits mid-tour. Sabbath needs somebody good and quick. They need somebody, like, right now. Who's that drummer? Well, around this same time, Vinny... A piece? A piece? Apicy. A We'll go with apicy. Apicy sounds good to me. You know, he's the, the other brother who drums. He built his own reputation working on stuff with John Lennon and Rick Derringer. So after 10 years with Bill Ward on drums, Black Sabbath carries on in 1981 with Vinny behind the kit for Mob Rules. And this is an awesome album, and I wanted to give you guys a taste of it here today on the Decibel Geek Podcast. So from 1981, featuring Vinny, however you want to pronounce it, Apathy, this is Black Sabbath with Voodoo.
Have you ever heard the story of that? How that all came together with Vinny Apsey? Uh, no, I don't know the details on he that. Was, he was a damn good drummer, and so Bill Ward just kind of disappears. He's just like, yeah, all right, I'm out of here. Right. And he's just gone. And so they're like scrambling to find somebody, and luckily this guy is available. So they bring him in, and his first show, he's got like a notebook. Uh-huh. And he's up there trying, because he don't know these songs. You right. know, He's out doing his own thing, so he don't know these songs. The first show, he's got notes for himself on things that he needs to know to be able to play these songs. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of the show, it starts raining, so the ink all starts running through his notebook and stuff and it's all jacked up but he powers through the show and does an awesome job just ends up tossing the notebook when it's over and solidifies his spot in black sabbath and who wouldn't want that spot that is cool i know one cool story i remember hearing our friend uh, victor ruas from mars attacks interviewed Vinny, and there was a cool story he shared about he was the drummer in like a house band or a band that John Lennon had put together right, towards yeah. the end of his life. And he was like, they were wearing costumes and masks and stuff. Oh, wow. But Vinny was the drummer yeah. for John Lennon before Because he was just, it was, it was one of them right place, right time kind yeah. of things where it all, somebody told us that story on it's Decibel a, Geek too, I think. It's a really incredible circumstance yeah. to wind up playing behind a Beatle. Right. And then the next thing you know, you're playing in Black Sabbath. Right. You know, and then he did, just a couple of years ago, that project Kill Devil hill with you know rex brown from pantera yeah that's right and he was on that hollywood monsters i talked yes. about on the verses last he's week, a great drummer he was the only good part of that album yeah he's an excellent drummer though. yeah very cool good that, stuff that's a good choice heck yeah i like it okay so for my next pick and you know i played um, wasp before the break and i wanted to play something new i want to play another brand new song from 2015 it's pretty nice we're getting a preview of our year-end list right yeah here, pretty much this one's up there too Man, pretty high this year it's shaping up pretty good has been insane with the amount of great music that's come out like mm-hmm. half of my list from last year wouldn't make the cut if this year was included it's been pretty damn good i'm a little nervous about how long this show is going to have to be at be the long. end of the year i may have to buy extra hosting space just to like have a that six show. hour marathon just to showcase all the great music that came out this year possibly well one of those albums that came out this year was elefante by the bullet boys and it was released in june um the album is produced by matt thorne of rough cut the drummer and for who's that drummer on this one is sean duncan and uh sean duncan was is the brother of jeff duncan who we've had on the show before right okay cool sean was the drummer in odin and uh, also the drummer in dc4 yeah nice so, awesome uh, good he, choice and of course, the 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 drummer that you're used to with the Bullet Boys would be Jimmy DeAnda. Yeah, he's kind of the, the well-known one from back in the heyday. And you know, I haven't paid a lot of attention to the Bullet Boys over the last you know 15 years. I know they've been touring, and it's really been Mark and a collection of guys touring as the Bullet Boys. Right, but they've come out with some good music. They have There's some unheralded albums. Ten Cent Billionaire was a pretty good good album. Yeah, but, Sophie was good too. And Sophie was good, but Elefante, man, I mean, it's a great album. It's really, you can really tell they, good. They seriously put their their hard hat on and worked on this one yeah and it's got some amazing songs on it and this is one of those songs where yes they're trying to sound modern but it actually works yeah and that's hard to pull off if you're an older man i like this song this is the bullet boys from elefante with a song called symphony everyone has a tragedy or a stolen broken heart can you write me a symphony so I won't fall apart Can you give me some clarity? It remains to be seen I can feel you from miles away Though it's hard to believe Everybody hold on tight Hold tight, hold tight, hold tight 
Duncan drumming for the Bullet Boys and Mark Torian on vocals with Symphony. That pretty, kicks ass. It's a pretty good song, right? I there. think you can look forward to hearing that one somehow again on the year-end review. I would think for so. sure, yeah. absolutely. A lot of good songs on that record. Yeah, the whole thing is really good. It is. Baco will tell you. That's, oh yeah, it's Mark Torian's best friend. You know. Yeah, check out Baco's album review and his interview with Mark Torian later. Boy, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was that all, <laughs> all that stuff intertwined into this amazing story. But you'll have to check that out for yourselves. True. All right, I guess let's move on. You know, here's what I picked, and you kind of looked at me funny when I picked it. But we've talked to a lot of people. You know, we've talked to uh, Loretta Caravella. Mm-hmm. We talked to Gary Corbett. You know, we've heard all these great Eric Carr stories. And we've all heard the stories about how happy Eric Carr was to be in Kid. And, you know, you got to think about that because Peter Chris had been the Catman in Kiss for a long time. And even though there's those two albums in between that featured Anton Fig that nobody really knew about, there was that spacer in there. Eric Carr was coming in as the guy that replaced the Catman in Kiss. You know, and we've talked about how great it was for him, how he worked hard to get the audition. You know, he scored the audition. He did a great job. He's this great dude. But today what I want to talk about, and I didn't even take any notes for this. I just picked a song. But today what I want to talk about is Eric Carr's impact on joining KISS. Mm -hmm. 
because you know it's kind of tough to come in and your first debut album is music from the elder <laughs> no kidding he probably was wondering if he was being pranked when they came to him with this. I got to imagine so, because you think of Kiss, you know, and you're a fan. You know, you're a fan. You think of Love Gun and Rock and Roll Over and Kiss Alive 1 and 2 and all these great things that were going on. And then, you know, the craziness. But he don't know no different. And so as, you know? as, as Ace said in the Casey Kasem interview, the album's about a boy, a very special boy. <laughs> <laughs> And he's thinking, come on, guys, you sing about screwing 16-year-olds. Yeah, you know, what What could Eric Carr have been thinking? His mind had to have been blown when they, they were like, okay, this is what we're doing next. Yeah. Like, what, are, what the hell are we doing? Wait a minute, I thought I joined Kiss. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is as much as The Elder gets shit on for being the worst Kiss album, it's not the worst rock album mm-hmm. by any means because I listen to these songs, and I think if this would have been a different band... This would have been amazing. Like, this would be the best Yes album. Or Genesis or album. Or the best Genesis album. Or maybe yeah. the best Rush album. Or maybe, you know, the best Pink Floyd album. Yeah, I think even Gene Simmons himself said, as a Kiss album, it's a one. As a Genesis album, it's a three. Yeah, you totally. So. Yeah, totally. I can see that. <laughs> maybe higher than a three. I'd I give w- it better than that. So, what do you think, man? You know, when you listen to the drumming on The Elder, I mean, I, I feel there's... The production on it was good because it was good, powerful drumming mm-hmm. through it. The music was weird, definitely weird definitely by Kiss weird. standards. Mm-hmm. But for what Eric Carr was given, I think he killed it. The fact that you're going to play something from this album, though, <laughs> I don't like the album, but I'll give you credit. As a Decibel Geek host, you're picking something that's a super deep track, and I think that's perfect for this show. That's what we're all about. Yeah. So I guess, you know, without any further ado, because it, when people think of Kiss, you know, they think of the Catman. Mm-hmm. Whether whoever Catman that is, they think of the Catman. <laughs> Rarely do they think of Eric Carr. When Eric Carr joined this band, you know, it was a phenomenal thing to have not only a new member, but a new character. You know, and even though The Elder was a terrible, terrible way for this poor guy to make his Kiss debut, he would more than make up for it in years to come sure. with some awesome stuff. And irregardless of all that, he did put in a pretty kick-ass performance on the music from The Elder. So here's a little taste of that. I don't think you're probably going to hear this one on radio or any other podcast for that matter. Guaranteed. (laughs) This one's for you, Billy Hardaway. It's Kiss from 1981 from the music from The Elder, and this is Under the Rose. Check out this drumming. Oh, 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 oh,
That's got to be the most hype introduction that that song's ever gotten anywhere, right? That was the only introduction that that song <laughs> ever got anywhere. What are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, you got to sure respect Dees it. Rick was on the airwaves saying, Kiss from the Elder. Yeah. No, you got to respect it, though. You know, it's it's a cool song. You know, I really dig it. The changes in it, the guitar mm-hmm. in it's really awesome. Is it a great Kiss song? No. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's a great song, nonetheless. It's one of the few songs on that album that I, I kind of dig. Yeah. I like uh, Only You, I think, is a good tune. Only You's awesome. Of course, The Oath is a good song. That dark Light. Dark, uh, dark, the, gu- the guitar uh, the solo, solo saves yes. it. Yeah, yeah totally. The rest of the song, I don't know. Um, no, nah, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Escape from I? the Island's okay. Yeah, no, Escape from the Island's Don't cool. like I. I, really? I is a cheese fest. Do not like Yeah, I. but that's I is the most... Kiss like song on that. I gotta get wasted to listen to the elder. What was Ace thinking when he was like, What do you mean? He wasn't. What do you mean? He don't gotta get wasted, Curly. I gotta be wasted just to freaking be here. He wasn't. He was sending his tapes to Toronto from his house. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) And getting them rejected. Yeah, he was not a part of that song. Like, you know, Ace, this is this sounds too much like Kiss. Eric Carr, not a part of I. No? No, Alan Schwartzberg played that part. Ah, Gene Simmons' solo album drummer. Yeah. And, also, and, and on the Psycho Circus. Yeah, he's played on a number, number of things. He played on Animalize, too. I would recommend that the listeners that listen to this, if you haven't checked it out, check out Chris's appearance on the uh, Rock and Metal Combat podcast, talking about Psycho Circus. Very entertaining. Shitting on Psycho Circus. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty entertaining, but pretty honest, too. I liked fan, it. If you're a fan of it. We Are One, then you're not going to like me. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Nobody's a fan of that. Uh, well, Ralph. Well, well, except for Ralph. Raul, I mean. Uh, Raul, he's the only one. Yeah. Raul. Y&T, a criminally underrated band who we yeah. we missed seeing live last this year, and they're coming Such next losers. year. We are going to go see them. They felt bad for us, so they said, you know what? We're, for you idiots yeah. that messed it up and didn't come to the show. We'll schedule another show. And we're damn sure going to make it It must have gone one. well this past time for them to come back that soon. There was a, I, As far as response to the people that were at that show, it went real well. It was a great well. show. went yeah. real, real well. Billy and uh, Andy LaFon were at that, to that and show. And both raved about it, yeah. how awesome it was. Those and guys are still out there, and they're still they're kicking still ass. They're still doing it, and they've been around since the 70s. Man, they were they were like one of the first Sunset Strip bands that were big. Yeah, and, uh, based out of the Bay Area, though. That's but, right. They were the guys not only influencing bands like Wasp, but they were also influencing bands like Metallica. Yeah, absolutely. Dave Menachetti is an amazing singer and a great guitar player. Don't be stupid like us. If they come to your town, go see them because we we got some high regard, I guess, that they're actually giving us a second chance. Yeah. They might not give it to you. <laughs> but uh, of course, we're talking about drummers today, and uh, you know that this is a drummer that came in much later on. On. I mean, but played with them through the 90s. And yeah. um, uh, Jimmy DeGrasso, who has played with everybody. Right, yeah. He's got a hell of a resume. Yeah, an amazing resume. And he's great on this. But this is this album that came out in 1995 from Y&T called Musically Incorrect. And I'm sure that that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek title because 1995, think about what was topping the charts at the time. Yeah, not Y&T. They were like, well, we're musically incorrect for what's big now. At least they were able to recognize and accept it. Yeah, and this is their 10th studio album. From that album, this is a song called Cold day in hell. Touch. She looks me in the eyes. 
Gotta love that Y&T. I love that. Dave Minichetti's amazing, and uh, I'm excited to finally see yeah. them live. That's we, one of those bands that you have to go see live. We promise not to blow it twice. <laughs> we will not. I will not miss another chance to see them, because I, I don't know when they'll come back next. All right, well, we've been having a good time today so far talking about who's that drummer and answering that question. There's all kinds of great ones we talked about today. You might have missed out on Hug a Drummer Day, but it's never <laughs> too late to support rock and roll drummers. Do we got anything to cover before we get out of here? I think we're good. I mean, we we talked about the iTunes. We talked about the Facebook. We talked about the decibelgeek.com. We talked about T-shirts. We talked about VIP. VIP. Are you a VIP yet? You're missing out on something really fun. Yeah, we provide the content. Right. I would sign up, though, if, if, if I wasn't. I totally would, too. Like I said, this is the podcast that we always wanted, so the, it's, and the it's latest, worked out. The latest verses is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Last minute verses. We got a really good one lined up for this week, though, too. So okay. we're going to bounce back from that one. But we've had some pretty good matchups so far on that. And the Chris and Aaron show, like I said, people say it's funny as hell. I listen back to some of them. It cracks me up how stupid we are sometimes. <laughs> uh. You can pay for what our our wives roll our eyes to. Exactly. Yeah. It's great stuff. Unscripted. So if you're not a part of that, get on board. We would really, really appreciate it. Anyway, you can help us out because we're here, two guys, just rocking and rolling, trying to share it with you. So we got one more to rock us out here before we hit the road this week on the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been asking all day long, who's that drummer? Well, here's a drummer that really needs no introduction. There's a reason they call Dave Lombardo. I had to pause for the cheers because I know there's some people out there going, yes, <laughs> yes. There's a reason they call Dave Lombardo the godfather of thrash metal drumming. Big four, let's break down and look at it. You got Charlie Benante, Nick Menza, and Lars Ulrich are the guys that kind of represent that along with Dave Lombardo. Who would you pick in your band? Mm. i take Dave Lombardo. I'll take it, Charlie Benante, but go ahead with your song pick. <laughs> you just, just because you love Anthrax <laughs> a little do. bit more, you know? Besides, the first song that Dave ever learned how to play was 100,000 Years by Kiss. That's pretty cool. That's damn cool. Slayer, love him or hate him. There's no denying great that drummer. for his part in heavy metal drumming innovation and hard-hitting aggression, he may be the greatest of them all. It's not very often that a band is recognized for their drum sound, but with Lombardo, Slayer could definitely claim that. So what happens after 12 years together when the most awesome drummer in the world is out of the band? Well, these guys, they sat through a whole shitload of auditions, listened to hundreds and hundreds of tapes, looking for someone that had a great respect to the creations of Lombardo, who could mimic the original and do it as good as the fans would expect. Who's that drummer? It's Paul Bostaff from the band Forbidden. He's able to give Slayer all that and a whole lot more. Recording several albums with Slayer and proving himself to be an exceptionally skilled drummer in his own right. The Slayer-Lombardo relationship has been tumultuous on and off over the years. And uh, Paul Bostaff has gone on to play with Exodus and Testament. That's metal. That's pretty crazy. And he's always available to cover for whenever Lombardo's back on Kerry King's bad side. Huh. Yeah. So to rock out today's Who's That Drummer, it's Paul Bostaff along with Slayer. This is one of my favorite Slayer tunes. You guys, don't don't turn it off because this ain't one of those crazy, fast, insane speed Slayer songs. This one's slowed down a little bit, but the drumming on this song is freaking phenomenally mind-blowing. And you're about to find out what I mean. So we'll see you right back here next week 
And we're going to get on out of here this week with, from 1996's Undisputed Attitude, it's the one and only Slayer, and this one's called Gemini. See ya.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.